That's making Minnesota pay for their pressure. Good job by Michigan. Is at five. Ball in the hands of Manny Harris. Shot clock at three. Harris, 4-3. Too strong. Rebound, Nolan. Five seconds to go. Minnesota has a timeout. Instead, Westbrook going to put it up. He hit it, but a timeout. No basket. They call timeout. Seconds before the shot. Donnie Gray, right before he goes into his motion, calls a timeout to the top of the key. Paul Farber's hit some clutch shots in his history. Instead, the ball in the hands of Westbrook. Westbrook lost the handle. He's got it fired up. He does. No good. Michigan wins in Minneapolis. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Jim Dwyer should be joining me momentarily. Uh, tonight, uh, fundraiser edition of Gray Matters, 734-763-3500. That is the number to call if you are so inclined to contribute and show tangible and palpable support for uh, this long-running public affairs shows. We don't have a heck of a lot of public affairs shows down here on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor, but uh, I'm rather proud of the contribution that I've uh, made over the years uh, in terms of bringing political, economic, uh, social, literary, (laughs) cinematic, and uh, all sorts of... uh, observations about the uh, culture and society we live in. Obviously, over the last several months, we've been maybe a little overly focused on economics. And perhaps last year, we were a little overly focused on politics. But uh, on our fundraiser edition of Gray Matters, we like to kind of keep things moving, throw in a few uh, weird items um, that is part of our itinerary down here and bring you some of the uh, important stories that we think uh, we uh, deserve further attention. This, of course, is a news and media analysis show, and I thought it was interesting last week just to quickly um, observe how the media does function here in our uh, great country. Um, last week, just as we were sort of going on to the show, there was a late-breaking story about various memos released uh, by the Obama administration regarding uh, torture policy that was developed during the Bush administration uh, subsequent to the events of 9-11. And it was interesting to compare um, television analysis of this this event to press coverage. Um, The New York Times, for instance, on uh, the 3rd of March, the day after, had an article about the memos that were released, and so did the Associated Press. And it's fascinating because the Associated Press article appeared in the Ann Arbor News, um, written by Pamela Hess. The article doesn't even mention John Yu or David Addington, who were at the heart of the memo <laughs> writing and the development of the policy. David Addington worked for 
Dick Cheney in the office of vice, vice president. And John Yoo was essentially a pseudo-intellectual. He had intellectual credentials. He'd been a law professor at the uh, University of uh, California at Berkeley. And he was utilized to develop a completely invented theory of executive power that allowed Bush, as one critic, uh, one uh, legal critic put it, to virtually de declare a dictatorship after 9-11. Um, Unchecked uh, power for the executive. Yeah. And that this development, this legal theory that John Yu uh, developed, was supported by David Addington. And in, in the so-called Office of Legal Counsel, they um, wrote up memos that justified all sorts of power that the president automatically had because, in their opinion, we were uh, in a state of war because al-Qaeda had declared war on the United States back in 1998. And this gave Bush and, of course, Dick Cheney, who also had his own novel, Constitutional Theory, all this power. And one of the problems I have with the Associated Press um, story is that this probably was the synopsis that most Americans read in their newspapers about the actual um, development of the policy. And while it's not inaccurate, they mentioned Stephen Bradbury, for instance, he's the Bush administration that on the 15th of January of this year, in a, quote, parting memo, basically ruled all the previous findings by the Justice Department as, quote, null and void, <laughs> as if this wasn't the operational, uh, uh, the operational premises that the government had been working on since 9-11. That's an extensive period of time. And... Uh, so this is a good example of how uh, American, the American public sometimes don't get a very accurate picture of what's really going on. This is why you need to read books. For instance, I just, ironically, just several weeks ago, had finished uh, Jane Meyer's The Dark Side, which was basically a, uh, an analysis, an autopsy report, essentially, of how this policy developed in the Bush administration and how John Yoo in fact, had even more radical interpretations of executive power than John Ashcroft, which is shocking. At the time, the uh, appointed attorney general. And he, of course, was the man that uh, covered up nude statues and paintings in the Justice Department because he was offended by nudity. Yes, uh, naked breasts in marble uh, apparently were more than he could turn away from. And needless to say, at one point uh, in a fascinating uh, development of history, he was in his hospital bed. And uh, Bush apparatchiks were trying to get him to sign off on a memo that they had developed in secret that he hadn't read. He refused to sign the memo. And in the Jane Meyer book, what's fascinating is John Ashcroft's wife, according to witnesses, stuck her tongue out at these Justice Department <laughs> officials as they left the room. Because they felt like they were that he was being badgered, while he was, you know, basically in a hospital. Yeah, I'd say a guy who uh, is surprised by <clears throat> office mates who come in after visiting yeah. hours, while a guy is in a state of, uh, you know, stupefaction from pain medication, <laughs> to say, "Here, sign this." I, I'd call that badgering, and uh, probably the uh, 
the tongue sticking out is uh, as close as they get in their uh, religious organization to uh, flipping the bird. So that's a pretty extreme gesture on her part. That's right. And, of course, it's uh, reminiscent, incidentally, of uh, Ronald Reagan signing a fine in, in his pajamas while he was uh, heavily medicated uh, after colon cancer. Uh, this, of course, authorized the so-called finding that authorized Israel to start selling arms secretly to Iran as part of the hostage rescue mission. Uh, I think a fascinating movie could be made uh, comparing those two events. <laughs> well, metaphorically speaking, Ray, uh, speaking, Reagan was in his pajamas for uh, much of his uh, eight years in the presidency. But uh, to to be a little, not, uh, you know, to defend uh, the, the miscoverage uh, but the problem with print journalism uh, is that the the column inches have to be filled every day. And that interesting uh, interview with some economic writers uh, on NPR over the weekend talking about how situations that are in such a state of flux and that change so much from day to day, it's really difficult to sort of get on top of with cohesive uh, analysis in uh, the daily newspaper medium. So as you say, books are incredibly important because... The newspaper of record, the New York Times, is, you know, a fine newspaper, but uh, for various editorial reasons and for just the practical day-to-day, got to get a paper out uh, reasons, mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes things will be misreported, overlooked, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this is where the scholarship of, uh, you know, real history uh, needs to take place. And the numbers of Americans who read nonfiction are shockingly low. I yeah. mean, newspaper readership is itself going down. And, you Which know, is very troubling because there are some good newspapers. Uh, I have quibbles with the New York Times myself, but I can at least acknowledge that, for instance, their economic uh, coverage is quite good. Well, they've got a breadth of coverage yeah. that I, no other single U.S. newspaper can, can match. Yeah, and, you know, they're a little biased for Israel, but they they at least cover the Palestinian perspective. That's ne completely neglected in many newspapers right. completely. They don't even, uh, you know, the, there's no analysis or... Uh, historical um, context of of the, of the conflict itself, um, and of course their editors have varied over the years. Howell Raines, it's it's well known, was a quote conservative, so their coverage uh, in at various times under his tenureship uh, was less than adequate uh, in some cases. And needless to say, it's uh, with the economic. Uh, turmoil continuing, and there's no other word for it. I mean, uh, you know, we have a jobs report uh, this weekend. Um, shocking. Um, shocking developments. The economy shed another 650,000 jobs last month, uh, the worst three-month periods uh, since 1975. Since the recession started, 4.4 million jobs uh, have disappeared. Um, with 2.6 million disappearing in the last four months alone. I mean, that's a startling number. American car sales have dropped from an annual pace of 9 million from 17 million in 2007. In February, uh, there were 168,000 manufacturing jobs lost, again, uh, bringing the total over the last year to 1.2 million. Retailers shed 40,000 jobs uh, last month in which... 500,000 have been lost over the last year. These are staggering numbers. There's no end in sight. 
uh, and uh, I stayed up <clears throat> quite late last night after watching the Magnificent Ambersons for the first oh, time. Oh, that was on the wee hours on uh, wee TCM, hours yeah. uh, because Warren Buffett was on CNBC <laughs> answering questions. Hmm. Uh, fascinating perspective from this uh, quote Oracle of Omaha, uh, who's characterized as the as the wealthiest man in the world, but a very conservative investor when it comes to investing. He was answering all sorts of questions on the economy, emails, whatnot on uh, CNBC. And to paraphrase what he said, um, the American economy has fallen off a cliff. Uh, people have really changed their behavior. He's talking about luxury goods. And he was talking about the problem that we're having in the United States right now with the confusion, breeding fear, creating mm. more confusion, and the mixed messages. And I don't know when the, the vampire Richard Shelby is going to be put out of his misery, but he's creating more misery uh, for everyone concerned. For a U.S. senator to appear on national television and essentially recommend that the big banks that are in turmoil and General Motors just be allowed to fail, um, this is just not a, a responsible person. This man needs to be locked up. Well, he says that they're dead. They should be allowed to die and be buried. He could well be describing his own political party. Yeah, because they're obviously in turmoil um, for their own reasons. But uh, let's remember that Shelby is such a weasel that he's the he was elected as a Democrat originally when Alabama was a, quote, Democratic state at the local level. And he switched parties after the 94 uh, Republican takeover of Congress. So we know where his principles lie. He's, uh, he's a weasel. Uh, he's a vampire. And when, or, uh, when Warren Buffett talks about the mixed messages, this is one of the problems. Richard Shelby is construed on television as some sort of an expert about economics because uh, he was in charge of the banking committee uh, in the U United States Senate for uh, many years. <laughs> Gee, maybe uh, some of our problems uh, date to that. Yeah. So we kind of wonder about uh, the wisdom of Richard Shelby. And, of course, you know, he's in a safe state, uh, Republican-wise, you would think. But this guy may be, uh, at the end of the day, cooking his own goose. I wouldn't be surprised if you see, when he runs for re-election, a staggering amount of money appearing from the state of Michigan <laughs> for his opponent. Because uh, this man is out to lunch and he is a vampire that needs to die. So we'll give him a brain damage award. We'll also remind you to uh, phone up the radio station at 763-3500 uh, and pledge your support. Uh, keep this radio station on the air. It's one of the few uh, radio stations where members of the community uh, donate their time and their energies and efforts to uh, produce local uh, public affairs programs like this and a number of others here that are aired on the station. There's some great T-shirts and mugs and the usual wonderful premiums. There's a couple of new T-shirts this year that look quite uh, quite striking. And uh, obviously times are tough. We, we talk about that a lot down here. But uh, one choice that you really can't afford to make is to not support WCBN. Uh, there's just too many great musical and uh, educational opportunities that uh, would be lost to the community at large if we, for some uh, horrible reason, were not able to uh, meet 
the goals of the fundraiser. So seven three four seven six three thirty five hundred. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, of course, has been in the news. We'll give him a brain damage award for his continuing presence in our uh, life. Um, the Nation magazine always has wonderful things. And I just figured I'd read a, a, a brief little ditty from Calvin Trillin, who writes uh, poetry. Bits of doggerel verse. Yes. <laughs> Just speculating. This is from the uh, 3rd of November, 2003 edition of The Nation magazine, a fine publication that we uh, frequently cite down here as a reliable source for a perspective uh, that sometimes departs from the mainstream media. And since it's a little bit about Rush, we'll read it away. Just speculating. Calvin Trillin. So Rush, or excuse me, so Limbaugh has been hooked on pills while Bennett's hooked on slots. Do all the right-wing morals police have copy books, uh, books with blots? Does Falwell have a floozy say? Does Ashcroft, you suppose, get home from church and swiftly snort some white stuff up his nose? <laughs> Does Robertson crave demon rum? Does Cheney make clerks promise to hide the fact he's renting tapes last viewed by Clarence Thomas. <laughs> yeah, and those are the intellectual heavyweights of uh, the right. Um, recently, there's been some attention because uh, of, you know President Obama cited uh, the influence that uh, Rush Limbaugh uh, enjoys over the Republican Party. Uh, there's uh, been a lot of attention to this, and then... The uh, Financial Times' Edward Luce has some uh, rather wry comments about this. He uh, writes that in his self-styled address to the nation last Saturday, Rush Limbaugh told enraptured Washington audience of conservatives that he had a security aide in the back taking down everyone's numbers. His name is Joseph Stalin, the king of political talk radio told millions watching Fox News. I am safe from any liberal attack because they would be afraid of offending Stalin. And that probably plays to big laughs mm -hmm. uh, there in the conservative camp. But if that's the best he can muster for an opening salvo in the joke department, uh, I, you know, wow, uh, that really is a dim candle power uh, intellectual uh, beacon. Uh, for the Republican Party. Rush used to have a TV show. I don't believe he, he does anymore. Um, Nobody watched it. Yeah, well, yeah, he's a face made for radio. So, and, of uh, course, he exaggerates his, his, his listenership even repeatedly. Oh, sure. Um, and incidentally, by the way, in, in a uh, Gallup poll, um, and this was as of February 1st, before all of this... Uh, Nonsense has erupted uh, over the last couple of weeks between Limbaugh and the, uh, oh, Bobby Jindal and, and Michael Steele, who's now the RNC chairman. Uh, according to the Gallup poll, Rush Limbaugh had a favorable rating of 28% on February 1st. Obama's was 66%. And Obama's rating has gone up since then. And I dare say that Limbaugh's... Since the 70s, right. Limbaugh's has gone down, so uh, whatever. You know, Russia's uh, challenge for Obama to come debate him. <laughs> okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
like Bush would ever have even spoken off the cuff to, um, you know, somebody outside of a military base. Right, because all of his uh, appearances were stage managed. And, of course, the most famous or infamous, I should say, <laughs> was Mission Accomplished. Uh, at a, uh, geez, I don't remember the actual numbers of the taxpayer expense of that, uh, uh, you know, Hollywood extravaganza yeah. there. Just uh, completely ludicrous. Yeah, that's when Bush uh, went from top gun goon <laughs> to bubble boy while he was in a period of pretending he was Shane. Bring him on, bring him on, you know. <laughs> We like to joke about that. Uh, the uh, insurgency erupted while George Bush declared to the nation that combat operations were over in Iraq. Wow. And, yeah, when uh, at the, towards the end of his eight years, when uh, he was finally acknowledging uh, questions from reporters, uh, have you made any mistakes? Have you made any mistakes? Well, I probably shouldn't have said a couple of those things. Uh, but no real sense of remorse. Yeah. And, of course, the other time he admitted to a mistake was when he s confessed that he had traded Sammy Sosa. Right. When he was <laughs> somehow involved with the Texas Rangers as a figurehead president of that organization. Whatever. Uh, I think that one of the sad things about the recent economic uh, catastrophe that our nation is confronting, because I do believe it continues to be a kind of a slow-motion uh, Great Depression of sorts, is the inability of the United States media and prominent politicians to ask where all the money has gone. Right. When are we going to get, for instance, an acknowledgement that the United States spent about $13 trillion on the Cold War, about $9 trillion on nuclear weapons during the Cold War, a trillion dollars on the Vietnam War, almost a trillion dollars and counting on the Iraq war. This is what needs to be answered. And there seems to be no connection between the idea, you know, a hundred billion dollars on Star Wars, uh, one of Reagan's uh, welfare, corporate welfare um, boondoggles. Uh, we yeah, just and that's don't all, get it. Right, and that's all money that's been, uh, forgive the expression, pissed down a hole. Yeah. I mean, there's no infrastructural developments or gains from that. Uh, there's no, you know, new schools or refurbished bridges or, heaven forbid, uh, something like a national health care program. All of these would trifle in comparison cost-wise to any one of those uh, insane and criminal projects. Yeah, so listening to John McCain, who also appeared on the talk shows talking about wasteful government spending, where's John McCain been on, on these issues? He's been in Congress uh, throughout the last 25 years, first in the House and then, of course, in the Senate. He gets a brain damage award. Um, he's just being disingenuous. Yes, he may... Uh, at times appear to be a little more reasonable than, say, James Inhofe or Richard Shelby. <laughs> that is to damn with faint praise. Right but there. <laughs> McCain has uh, not been uh, on the job, so to speak. In fact, you kind of wonder if maybe or not he's been hanging out with Roy Pearson Jr. <laughs> Who is Roy per Pearson Jr.? Well, Gray Matters always likes to bring up these goofball incidents uh, in America. Roy Pearson Jr. 
is the man that filed a $54 million lawsuit against a dry cleaning shop. Uh, his uh, case was dismissed. This from the Associated Press dated the 23rd of October 2007. Um, Pearson basically was some sort of an administrative judge in uh, the Washington, D.C. area, and uh, he filed a $54 million lawsuit based on $10.50 worth of alterations, <laughs> claiming that satisfaction was guaranteed. So he's, uh, and the story is basically that he's about to lose his job. Uh, this, of course, previous to the fact that he had apparently lost his pants. <laughs> well, you don't need to lose your uh, pants to uh, pledge your support to WCBN. Uh, many uh, lovely uh, premiums uh, for even the uh, smallest of pledges. Uh, and you don't want to uh, get your money all tied up in uh, any fraudulent investments, of course, with the fear that you spoke of earlier and there's a lot of uncertainty, and it becomes a sort of a swirling miasma of fear and confusion, never a good atmosphere. But uh, you wouldn't want to make the same mistake that a Chinese business executive did in uh, 2007. Uh, he was sentenced to death for swindling $385 million from investors in a bogus ant breeding scheme. Mm, yes. And uh, he lured 10,000 investors over a three-year period by promising them returns of up to 60% on their stake in two ant breeding companies. <laughs> now, I don't know. I uh, don't have any special expertise in uh, ants or in insect uh, studies whatsoever, but uh, I kind of always thought that... Uh, Ants breed fairly well on their own, and uh, <laughs> you don't really need to do a whole lot to get a, a colony going. Hasn't uh, watched those sci-fi movies from the <laughs> 50s and 60s. <laughs> Them! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this guy was only able to recover uh, $1.3 million, so uh, don't fall for any bogus investment schemes. Invest in WCBN's continued ability to broadcast. There's even the possibility, uh, and this all joking aside, um, with the shift in technology and uh, the movement towards uh, high-density TV, digital TV, this is going to free up parts of the uh, radio bandwidth. And uh, there's a very real chance that WCBN will be able to apply for uh, larger uh, broadcast area. Mm -hmm. And this is something that uh, fundraiser monies will be uh, applied towards uh, involving uh, the equipment and the uh, FCC uh, paperwork and all that sort of thing. But that would be a real boon for uh, the area. So good reason to pledge. Well, over the weekend, we saw that Barack Obama is reversing the uh, policy on stem cell research. Uh, this is something, by the way, that may benefit the uh, great town of Ann Arbor uh, with life sciences uh, uh, programs here mm -hmm. at the uh, great University of Michigan. Uh, interesting that Obama, in, in uh, promising to overturn this uh, policy based on an executive order, mentioned the issue of science coming back into the fore. And it's always interesting, uh, the British Medical Journal uh, did a survey of what was the most important medical breakthrough in the last 167 years. 
Um, DNA, perhaps? Vaccines? Nope. Antibiotics? Nope. Uh, more than 11,000 readers responded, and the winner was sewers. Sanitation won. Antibiotics huh. was a close second. Uh, basically, sewers got 1,800 votes. Um, anesthesia came in third with uh, 1,500 votes. Antibiotics were second with 1,650 votes, followed by the discoveries of vaccines and the structure of DNA. So fascinating. And sewers, by the way, are a classic example of government spending money absolutely on infrastructure that improves life expectancy. All you have to do is look at, for instance, the catastrophe of, of, of World War I, in which millions of people died globally because of sanitation problems mm -hmm. and the Spanish flu of 19, the influenza epidemic of of 1918, but it was actually the creation of sewers in our urban areas and water treatment that over time is probably more responsible than any single invention, uh, and of course it was invented a long time ago, but vastly improved. Um, this was the result of government spending. And life expectancy throughout the 20th century, I think I've seen some data on it, went from something like 47 years to up to 75 years. Yeah. That's, and of course, these other inventions were very important. But uh, sewers, uh, turns out, according to a British medical journal, to be the top medical breakthrough in the last 167 years. So it uh, really is worth uh, infrastructural uh, development. For all concerned. And it looks like we're uh, pretty much at the top of the hour. Uh, we've been given the signal that uh, Jerry's here. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. I'd like to uh, thank Andrew for engineering. And do stay tuned. Uh, the number once again, 734-763-3500. Pledge your support for all the fine programming down here on WCBN, FM, and Arbor. <laughs> In the early days of broadcasting, one man stood against the tide of corporate formula radio and four locally produced public affairs shows. Who was this bold pioneer of free form? Frank Sneege. His destiny? To be crushed, ignored, and forgotten. But his name lives on discreetly in the telephone numbers of WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Yes, that's right. Spell out Sneege 00 every time you dial WCBN's request line and pledge your support during this fundraiser. Keep the freeform dream of Frank Sneege alive! 